Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, football fan. In this episode, we'll dive into perhaps the biggest underdog story in the history of football. It's a story on how football can unite a war-torn country. This episode is dedicated to Iraq's football history. I spoke with Yunis Mahmoud, a legend in Iraqi football, as well as an Iraqi journalist and a current player of the national team, to give you this story. My name is Sam van Raalte, and welcome to the home of football. Iraq is the birthplace of human civilization. It was in Mesopotamia, the core of current Iraq, that the first city-states were formed four millennia before Christ, and where the earliest known form of writing appeared. Football found its way to Iraq via British soldiers in the beginning of the 20th century. The people in Iraq fell in love with the beautiful game. They became some of the most passionate players and football fans in the world. However, the development of the game would turn out to be a challenge in the country because of decades of cruel rulers and war. When Saddam Hussein became the president of Iraq in 1979, he soon appointed his son Uday Hussein as the chairman of the Iraqi Olympic Committee. Uday Hussein was a cruel man. He tortured athletes if they didn't win. He had their heads shaved or had players beat up if they didn't perform up to his standards. Beneath the buildings of the Olympic Committee, Uday Hussein had special torture chambers where he would lock up football players and other athletes. He even had coffins there with nails sticking out on the inside. Sometimes he would lock players up in these contraptions. Iraq qualified for the World Cup for the first time ever in 1986, but that was not because, but in spite of Uday Hussein's cruel dealings. The 80s and 90s were horrific years for Iraqi football players. Uday Hussein forced the national team to play with a concrete ball once after they didn't qualify for the 1994 World Cup. A former goalkeeper once recounted an insane story of a game against South Korea in 1998. It was 0-0 at halftime. Uday Hussein called the manager of the team to say the entire team would spend a month in jail if they didn't win the game. The players went onto the pitch in the second half trembling in fear. They lost 3-0. 
The national team players plus the team doctors and coaches were then driven to one of Uday's farms, where their heads were shaved. They had to work 12 hours per day and slept with the animals. They drank from a creek. The water was filthy. 20 of the 22 players contracted cholera. Uday Hussein also kept Frisian cows from the Netherlands at this farm. He was then worried that his beloved cows might also contract cholera via the players. So, after three weeks of hell, he finally released the players. Soon after America invaded Iraq in 2003, Uday Hussein was killed by a missile. In the years after Uday Hussein's death, a new generation of talented Iraqi players started to emerge. The star of the team was a young striker called Yunis Mahmoud. Iraq's national football team managed to qualify for the 2007 Asian Cup, while the country was in disarray. Over 100 people were killed every day in Baghdad at the time. The Iraqi national team consisted of players from various ethnic groups in the country. Sunnis, Shia, Kurds. Every single player of the national team was scarred mentally by the war. Some had lost close relatives, some had lost teammates and friends. Nobody expected anything from Iraq at the 2007 Asian Cup. Iraq's football federation appointed a Brazilian man named Jorvan Vieira to manage the team. Meanwhile, occupied Iraq was torn by war. A physio of the national team was killed in a suicide bombing when the team was preparing for the 2007 Asian Cup. The team flew to Southeast Asia, where the tournament was held in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand and Vietnam. Nobody expected Iraq to get past the group stages, but the team pulled off the impossible when it reached the final, after beating Australia, Vietnam and South Korea. After Iraq had beaten South Korea to reach the final, people in Baghdad were ecstatic. But then, dozens of celebrating fans were killed in the capital by suicide bombers. Back in Indonesia, the team held a meeting. They discussed pulling out of the tournament. But then, they saw a grieving Iraqi mother on television. She was grieving the death of her son, who was murdered in an attack after the semi-finals. The mother said she wouldn't bury her son until after Iraq had won the tournament. So, the team decided to play the final. The final took place in the Indonesian capital of Jakarta. Because the Iraqi FA didn't expect the team to come this far, their final training session was held in a park in the city. Iraq faced regional powerhouse and rival Saudi Arabia in the final. In the 72nd minute, Iraq took a corner. Yunis Mahmoud jumped up and headed the ball past the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper. The impossible happened. Iraq won the 2007 Asian Cup. Hundreds of thousands of people in Iraq celebrated the victory on the streets of the war-torn country. To this day, this is the biggest underdog story in the history of football. Today, Yunis Mahmoud works for the Iraqi FA as the supervisor of the national team. 
I contacted the Rocky FA and I was honored when Yunis Mahmoud was willing to talk to me for this podcast. At first, the phone line didn't work, but at the second try, we managed to connect over the phone. Hello? Hello? Uh, this is way better, Mr. Mahmoud. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. I am I'm sorry, huh? I am not speaking very well English, but I I hope you understand me what I mean about we talk with you about uh, this. Sorry, huh? I'm I'm sure it will work. It, it's not a problem at all. Okay, my friend, no problem. All right. How was your day today so far? Very good. Alhamdulillah. All right. That's good. Let's travel a little bit back in time to 2007 when you of course won the Asian Cup with Iraq, which was a massive, massive achievement. So uh, 2007, you know, what did it mean for Iraq back then that you won the Asian Cup? Uh, I think uh, 2007, he very, very different for my country. After uh, 2003, where they changed uh, the present for the Iraq and they have uh, fighting with uh, uh, with America and change the present. I think all the Iraqi he, he don't happy and uh, and he don't know which which what should he have for the future. What what happened after this and uh, the fighting too much. Uh, the small city and big city he fighting together. I think this is the problem for my country. He bigger problem in uh, in Iraq, but after the ASEAN Cup for uh, 2007, he changed. He changed here uh, with the mind for my people, and I think this uh, makes some something for my people. He say, uh, and after this, I think the fighting he come little down. Yunus is right. The fighting did calm down a bit. The U.S. Army reported less deaths in Iraq in the year after Iraq won the Asian Cup. But the victory did not just mean a lot for the people in Iraq. Because of the conflicts in the region, thousands of Iraqis had fled the country in the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century. They moved to other countries all over the world, from Jordan to Canada to Australia to the United Kingdom. Hassanein Balal is 29 years old. His parents fled Iraq in the 80s when Saddam Hussein reigned over Iraq. Hassanein was born and raised in London and he's very proud of his Iraqi roots and upbringing. He wants to give back to the country. So he started a website and a podcast called the Iraq Football Podcast. I called Hassanein for this episode. Hassanein was 14 years old in 2007 when Iraq won the Asian Cup. Here's Hassanein on the impact the victory had on him. Thinking back to 2007, Iraq won the Asian Cup. And a big part of who I am as a human being is that I remember this day being in London in a, in a place called Edgware Road, which is known for, uh, for having a lot of Arabs. And Iraq had just beaten Saudi Arabia 1-0, our first ever Asian Cup against all odds, probably one of the biggest upsets in world football and sports in general. Now, on that day, I was celebrating with Kurds, Sunnis, Shia, Christians, Jews, Yazidis, Turkmanis, etc., etc. Iraq has a lot of divisions, but on that day, none of it mattered. And I saw my country united after it had been fractured and decimated uh, post the invasion uh, for political reasons and all sorts of problems that occurred. So I, I remember being a youngster and being in Edgware Road and seeing this and seeing what it meant to all these Iraqis who just through football 
had now forgotten all their all their troubles, all their problems, all their divisions, and we were all just on the street celebrating, holding Iraq flags, uh, hugging grandmothers, and just dancing together. And just for me, that was the best day of my life, and I don't think anything will ever top that because. It was the day that I saw what Iraq can be when it's united. And this is the role that football plays for us every single day. Every time the national team plays, everyone just gets behind the, the national team. And all these divisions, they don't matter then. You know, we have a national team that's full, uh, full of people from different backgrounds, whether they're, they're Sunni, Christian, Kurds, Assyrian. Um, it doesn't matter. Or Shia, you know, we're all there. All the players are there. They all wear the same shirt. And they play for the same cause, which is to bring happiness to my country. Yeah, man. So that 2007 Asian Cup, you know, you've talked about the, the victory. What was the build up towards that final? You know, what kind of vibrations were you feeling among Iraqi people uh, as that tournament progressed and Iraq was still in there and maybe would even win it? You know, what was the momentum like? <laughs> It's hard to answer this question. Uh, a lot of it was disbelief. A lot of it just was me thinking, this can't be real. Like, we're going to lose this. There's no way this is going to happen. Because at that point, everything was against us. You know, there were so many problems, political instability within the region. Uh, There's kidnappings happening every day, uh, explosions every single day, people dying. We had players in Iraq with no real... Um, no real facilities in terms of what they've been provided. We just changed manager two months before the Asian Cup. And it just seemed unreal that we were going on this run against all odds to the point that even the players going into the Asian Cup had fully anticipated that we were going out on the group stages. They'd already booked their flights home and they'd already made plans. They didn't anticipate that we were going to reach the next stage of, of, the, um, of the tournament, which is the, the quarterfinals. And they definitely didn't expect us to reach the semifinals. So when we got to the finals, it just felt surreal. And even more so that these explosions and the, the devastation continued to happen in Iraq. And so for Iraq days, it meant everything, you know. Um, but to be honest with you, I didn't expect us to win. Going into that final, I thought we we're going to lose. And I just prayed that. To, we wouldn't lose because to lose to Saudi Arabia, they're kind of football rivals and there's political tension, religious tensions between the two countries. So it would have been an extra kind of um, extra bit more painful if, if we lost to them in the final. But yeah, fortunately, we, we somehow scraped a win, a 1-0, uh, much deserved win in my opinion. And it, the legacy still lives on and we still talk about it every single day in Iraq. Yunus Mahmoud is still a national hero. Wherever he goes, the Iraqi people remind him of what he did for the country. Uh, now where I go outside in airport and in my car and outside in the field, where I go, where he see my, my people, in Iraq and out uh, in Iraq, he say, you make a good job 2007. But I, I think he many years he go about the ASEAN Cup, but he, he stay in his mind. This uh, the cup for the Asian Cup. Uh, I think uh, my uh, me and my friend he play with me make good job, and I think uh, and I happy. So Yunus Mahmoud is still cherished by the people of Iraq. 
Here's Hassanein on what Yunus Mahmoud means for the Iraqi people. Yunus Mahmoud is hard to describe in words because he's such a good footballer. I mean, if we look at how he was as a captain, he was a leader, he was somebody that carried his team when we needed him. He scored some huge goals for us uh, over the years. But he turned up when we needed him most. He scored, I think it was five goals in the um, the Asian Cup in 2007. He scored in the final. He scored um, when we needed him. And he carried us through that tournament. Of course, this is not to take away from other players. We had huge performances from everybody in that tournament. Nur Sabri, Hawar Mullah Muhammad, Karar Jassim, Neshit Akram. But Yunus was always the face of this. And he carried it well, you know. I remember growing up in London and trying to kind of copy celebrations Yunus Mahmoud did when he scored for Iraq. And there are some very notable ones. The one that really stands out for me that I always used to try to copy was when he scored against Vietnam and he takes off his captain armband with the Iraq flag on it and he kind of stretches it to, to be against his forehead. And it just shows you the impact of Yunus Mahmoud and who he is as a human being and as a footballer that you have kids in London uh, in 2007 trying to replicate uh, being Yunus Mahmoud. It shows you that his impact was more than just for the people living in Iraq. No, it's, it's for people all across the world. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's talk about the development of Iraq's football in the aftermath of the Asian Cup victory. Starting with the man Yunus Mahmoud himself. After 2007, he became an international star. He mainly played for clubs in Qatar and scored tons of goals. The French clubs Olympique Lyon and Olympique Marseille wanted to sign him, but Yunus Mahmoud was afraid to take the step to Europe. He feared the change of culture, language and food would be too much for him. So he played his entire career in Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Iraq. Now his career is over, it's one of his biggest regrets that he never made the move to Europe. I not go before in Europe... I can't go there, I, my language, uh, eating there. I think this moment I am afraid I go on Europe. But I am afraid because I take care of my family. I have big family and say, okay, I will stay in Qatar because I need money. I need money in my country, uh, sorry, in my family. 
Mm. I want to help my family. And after I go to Garrafa, also he come for me, Leon. I, Leon. But the big problem for me, I no go in Europe. Now, in, uh, you come back in uh, the time, I go Europe. But I make mistake, huh? Mm. So if you could go back in time, you would have taken a chance and you, you would have went to Europe. Yeah. Absolutely, I don't, and I don't, it don't give me money, I go in Europe. You would go for free? Yeah, I play free, I go free. The the big mistake in make it in my life, I am not going to Europe. Meanwhile, it was difficult for football in Iraq to develop. Not long after the occupation ended, the country was invaded by Islamic State. This war would go on until 2017, when Iraq announced the end of the war with ISIL. As a logical byproduct of the war, football development has been very difficult in the country. Iraq is crazy about football, but it hasn't qualified for a World Cup since 1986. They recently failed to qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Here's Hassanein on the impact decades of war had on the football development in Iraq. If we look at it from the perspective of um, the, the financial difficulties that war creates, it leads to a lack of investment from the Iraqi FA, a lack of uh, pitches created, a lack of youth centres, a lack of football development centres, and that has a long-term impact on the kind of players and calibre of players that you develop. Another thing that might happen is uh, what we call a, a brain drain in economic terms, where you have people with high skills leaving a country in, in order to find work elsewhere or uh, shelter elsewhere. So you end up with footballers that actually were successful leaving Arab and no longer coaching there uh, when they retire. Or you might have successful coaches deciding to flee Arab and go coach elsewhere instead. Um, in terms of uh, the, the financial situation that the war creates, it just creates a lot of a lot of poverty. It creates a lot of instability, and um, it means that kids, when they're growing up, they might end up having to do some work rather than going out playing football, trying to make a career out of it, etc. And I believe this is one of the reasons uh, a lot of Iraqi players don't leave Iraq because they they want to um, make money and guarantee pay in um, in the Middle East rather than going to Europe where they go there and risk not getting game time and um, plateauing in their career. While players from Iraq are hesitant to leave the country, the wars have also resulted in a different component regarding the national team. Because a lot of people fled the country, there are now Iraqi people all over the world. And some of them are good football players, who can now play for the national team as well. One of these players is Ali Al-Hamadi. He was born in Iraq in 2002. His parents then fled the country to England, where Ali grew up. Ali is a striker and he's currently on loan at Bromley FC while he's under contract at League One side Wickham Wanderers. Ali was selected for Iraq's national team for the first time last year. I called him to hear about his experiences. Here's Ali. It was just a crazy experience. Obviously, I made my debut on the uh, Dick Advocat and, and that was my first game. I had a really good game. Played against South Korea then next game. And, you know, obviously it was great playing against you know, loads of loads of great players in Asia. And 
yeah, and then obviously last time I got called up as well. So yeah, again, it's just crazy, like playing for for your country and you know World Cup qualifiers. It's not something that every kid gets to do at 18, 19, 20. Yeah, it's just it's just my home country, man. It's like you know anyone who I think it's it's quite hard to explain to people sometimes because unless you've represented your country on you know on an international stage and in front of however many people and you got your friends and your family, everyone back home watching. That's that's honestly what it's all about. That's why you wake up and train every day for, for moments like that. So, yeah, like, it's <clears throat> seeing what the people go through in Iraq. Um, it's nice to be able to just play football and maybe put some smiles on people's faces. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy, obviously, you know, on my family back home watching my mum, my dad, um... You know, like mom, mom and dad like crying, and um, a special moment last last camp because my dad flew out to uh, Lebanon to see me play. Um, so that was a good moment as well. And yeah, it's just been crazy the love obviously I get from my family back home in in Iraq as well. Um, but yeah, it's just something that you can't can't really describe in words. I think it's something you have to just you know live and experience. Last year, a man named Adnan Darjal was elected president of Iraq's football federation with Yunus Mahmoud as his deputy. Yunus also became the supervisor of the national team. This new leadership has the difficult task to restore football in Iraq. Here's Mr. Mahmoud. I have many, many things in my mind about uh, the federation and uh, uh, football. And I want to help my country about this and now. I hope I make a good national team for the Iraqi team, uh, the Iraqi football. Yes, you are the supervisor, right, of the national team? Yeah, I am supervisor. Yeah, the, Mr. Adnan, the president, he put me as a supervisor for the national team, you know, because he say you play uh, 18 years in national team and you know everything in national team. How would you describe what football means in Iraq? Yeah, of course. Uh, my country, my country, they have uh, uh, many. Also, the language, you know, the Kurdish he different than Turkmen, uh, and uh, the Arab and uh, Sabah and They have many, many in my country. But I think the football he keep all the group good together. One of the aspects that makes it more difficult for Iraq's national football team to perform is the fact that they haven't played an official home game in their capital of Baghdad in over two decades. Because of the wars, FIFA didn't allow it. The FA tried to get permission to play a game against the Emirates in Baghdad in March, but the FIFA pulled the plug on that as well. Here's Ali Al-Hamadi. We haven't been able to play qualifiers at home in our, on our home soil for over two decades now which puts us at a disadvantage a lot of the time because we have to play a lot of World Cup qualifiers at neutral venues without fans or, you know, with fans that aren't Iraqi fans. So, again, it already puts you on the back foot if, you, if you're playing all your home games, basically not at home. Um, you know, recently the, the decision got overturned. We were meant to play, you know, this month's qualifiers at home and then that's got overturned now because, you know, security measures or some, or some bullshit like that. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, that's the only thing I'd mention is that there's there's a lot of like injustice and in, in, in you know the the FIFA's treatment of Iraq because we played in Iran last last uh, month 
and you know Iran's not the safest place. We played in Lebanon, not the safest place. Um, we played in a lot of countries where you know they've got similar situations to us. But you know when it comes to Iraq, it just seems like there's a there's a barrier or a block for some some unknown reason. Um, so yeah, just not being able to play home games is is a big disadvantage as well. Apart from the national team, the National League of Iraq also needs to be improved. The league is weak currently. A lot of teams lack the facilities and infrastructure. Here's Mr. Mahmoud. Uh, they have also they have problem for my uh, the league Iraqi league. Uh, they have a big problem and uh, the next years I think he, he can uh, make it a strong uh, league in Iraq because because he very weak the league in Iraq uh, and. I think many, many problems do you have it, but I think uh, after maybe six months, seven months, you, should, you, you will see he make it strong link in Iraq. Uh, you need a uh, good player and I think you need a strong league make it in Iraq. So yeah, that's that's interesting. How? Uh, what's the problem now with the league? Why is it very weak and how are you planning to make it better? Okay, uh, the uh, the league he, uh, for the Iraq, I think he very weak because before don't have uh, the good field and uh, don't have a good stadium mm. and all uh, the club he don't have uh, stadium. Next years, you will see the change for the league. Well, it's been uh, great talking to uh, you, uh, Mr. Mahmoud. I'm very honored that you would take the time for this interview. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Okay, you're welcome. Anytime when you want to come, send for me message. I make it everything for you. All right. Thanks, man. That sounds good. I am definitely going to keep Mr. Mahmoud up to that. I want to be there when the national team of Iraq finally returns to Baghdad. Here's Hassanein on the development of football in Iraq. The biggest challenges would be the, the lack of professional player development at a young age. Um, we have a lot of good street footballers, and I say streets in quotation marks, but at a young age, you need academies, you need uh, youth development centers, you need a, a kind of youth league where players are able to play, develop, understand tactical awareness and really enhance their football understanding. But we don't really have this in Iraq for uh, lots of various reasons, logistical, some of them, financial, some of them, uh, and some of them just uh, a lack of incentive to improve. But uh, that's one of the challenges. Other challenges would be that the lack of media coverage. We have some very talented Iraqi players, but the lack of media coverage uh, or the lack of raw footage makes it very hard for some of these players to be scouted by teams in Europe and across the world. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we have these talents in Iraq that don't really get seen by others. And um, also there's also a, a bit of a cultural issue where some players are scared to leave uh, Iraq. They're, they're uncomfortable leaving what they're familiar with and understandable. You know, it takes a certain mentality and attitude to leave Iraq, to leave your home and move abroad and uh, start a career elsewhere. Yeah. So there are a lot of things we need to change in Iraqi football. To wrap things up, here's Ali Al-Hamadi on his dream goal with the national team of Iraq. I want to play in a World Cup for Iraq. That's you know that's my that's one of my goals for, for my career. Just is to get to a World Cup, um, and 
yeah, I, I think that's 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 the biggest thing for me to be honest, is just to, to, to play in the World Cup for my country. Ali's dream perfectly encapsulates what football can mean for Iraq. When the country will finally qualify for a World Cup again, I'm sure the country will be united, even if it's just for a little while. Just like it was for a brief moment after Younes Mahmoud delivered them the Asian Cup in 2007. I want to thank Younes Mahmoud, Ali Al Hamadi, and Hassanein Bilal for their interviews. Follow this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, you can give our podcast lots of stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really, really helps us. All right. My name is Sam Verraalte. Thank you for listening. And on to the next story in the home of football. Hi, guys. Thank you. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. Hi, I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Jibril C. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Adi Barak Inferno, a.k.a. Mr. Beast Mode. And I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure. 